business is all about risk and reward and what level of, of risk are you comfortable with. You got to find where that level is and actually take some of those risks, make some of those moves. A lot of people get caught in this analysis thing and they never actually make those moves. They never actually pull the trigger on a deal. You have to be a risk taker in some ways. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit TurningProfit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. I know. I think this is going to be a great episode. Before we even get into it, a lot of times people are asking like, okay, you know when you send that first mailing and then it's kind of like, it's hurry up and wait? Yes. Hurry up and wait. What should I do during that time? We've talked about other things you can do, um, but today's episode, I think, is going to be really good for people to go back to during that time period yes. and kind of fine tune everything that they're going to do. And also maybe even before you even get started mm-hmm. or once you've reached some level of success and you want to like redefine it and take it to the next step. Yeah, I think I think it'll be applicable to people in many different stages mm-hmm. of their land flipping business. And I get asked this a lot. And I felt it was kind of good to put our thoughts down on paper and then kind of cover this topic very specifically. So that topic is what does it take to be successful in the land flipping business? Right. And this is more like holistic, almost like in the sense that it's not a black and white, you know, you have to do this or whatever. This is kind of like your mindset and other things that you can kind of consider that will spur your success. Yeah. So what we'll do, uh, we'll cover that topic today, but we will also get into some questions from our community. Yes. Uh, That's kind of one of our ongoing segments Mm -hmm. that we do here on the podcast. And if you've been living under a rock or if you've never (laughs) listened to this podcast before, you'll know that our land flipping community is found at landconquest.com. And it's free to sign up. Just a very easy sign up process. There's a bunch of orange buttons on that site. You just press one of those orange buttons you add your name, email, and I think you can type a bio at that point. Blood just type. click bio. Yeah, no, we don't need the blood type. We exact pinpoint a- anymore. location. We took that uh, off. Just, <laughs> I think of all the ridiculous things that people ask you, like yeah. joining things. It's like no. Well, Heather, you know the story, but I always I think this is funny. Like when I was one of my first jobs. This is actually my second job. My first job, I was a busboy at a restaurant, but the same resort. Those <laughs> four. I was fourteen. At that same resort, they had a, a pool, you know, mm-hmm. and the people would come and stay at this resort and everything. And I always wanted to be, I was like, I want to be a lifeguard next. So that was kind of did the lifeguard training and everything. So when I got that job, then they had this real kind of analog procedure for the towels there. Like it was a checkout sheet and everything. Isn't that so funny though? How many times even to like this day that people, they have like these weird procedures for these, like these towels, like what are they really going to hunt people down? Like, I don't know. Maybe they did. Go on. Maybe okay. they did. But anyhow, this sign out sheet. And then I, you know, you get very bored as a lifeguard of these pools. You're sitting there for hours at a time. Lucky. And then, you know, sometimes yeah. there's just a couple people in the pool, you know, maybe people doing exercises. And it's, it's boring um, for, the, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I put these extra columns on that sheet. I put blood type. I put. Oh, you did. Yeah. And, and I think that's where you get this from. No, I, put, I did that on oh. when I worked at the bank. Oh. I was messing with somebody one time that was opening a new account and oh. I wrote blood type. Oh, okay. So we both like to harass people, I guess, yeah, and when I put, we're bored. And, at the, and I was, you know, I was young and not very smart. I put social security number oh, on it. Oh, my God. And people actually filled it out. People actually filled it out. Is that uh, what it was like in 1953 when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. Back in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe it was the 80s and 90s. This is but. the, eight, yeah, this is the 80s. 
I guess the late 80s, I guess you could say. No, That's, maybe the early 90s. Yeah, Isn't that kind of scary? But I think also your social, social security was different then. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't even Somewhat. think you had to have one. Because um, when our girls were like born in the early 2000s, that was when they made it like where you had to. Mm. So maybe people like legit thought it was just like the way that, you know, that you were going to keep track of it. Maybe. And the blood type, maybe if like they got blood on the towel that they would do a test and yeah. determine who, who did. I don't know. That is crazy. But I kept this thing going for, for days, too. And, I, you know, in hindsight, I'm surprised I didn't get fired over right, something like that. Right, you should have. You should have. Yeah. The only time I got close to getting fired was when I got a raise because I was supposedly doing a great job. And I told my best friend who was also working with me there, you know, I didn't come right out and tell them, but he pressured me. I said, I got a raise or something Mm -hmm. like that, which is my first mistake. I shouldn't have told him that. Right. And then he pressured me to tell him how much my raise was because he didn't get the raise and we started at the same time and everything. And then I told him. And then he goes and he tells my he tells my manager, "Hey, Pete got a raise. Can you can you give to this? Can you give me a raise to mm-hmm. that also?" And then the manager he called me into his office and you know read me the riot act about how you're not supposed to disclose your. your I don't pay think it's like stuff. that anymore though, because now I think you're um, there like that can't be used against you. Right, it's supposed to be more transparent. Right, it was a different time, and I learned a lesson from it, but. Anyhow, no, you haven't. You are, do our income reports online. You've learned nothing. Oh, okay, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> Didn't even think about oh, that. That's funny. Man. But while you're talking about mm-hmm. income reports, uh, that's one of the things that I really spend a lot of time on each month. In mm-hmm. fact, this weekend I've got to be spending probably a day or two writing up the income report and actually filming the content for it. So that's a that's a good time had by all. Not really, but I, like, really? But I do like getting that content out there. I think it's super valuable if you never check those out before. You just go to turningprofit.com. Each month I do a monthly income report where I share all the details, all the financial details and other details about our land flipping business. It's like how much revenue we did, how much profit we did that month, every deal we did, what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how much profit we made on those deals. And notes that you, you know, you felt yeah, about that property. what I learned, you know, what what, it, what went well, what mm-hmm. didn't go well, and just kind of talk about the deal and, and how it all went down. But I think it's super valuable because you can kind of see what's possible, what kind of deals are out there. So you can do them yourself. Well, some people, that's how their brain works. I like to see like numbers and stuff like that. So that would be helpful to me. Like, okay, we could do this or let's beat them. You know, like Mm -hmm. if I was someone looking at that, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do better than Pete Reese. Yeah. Um, But also if you're the type of person like you, that's like, okay, what is possible? And I mean, since the internet started, we've gleaned so much information from people sharing on the internet. Even if you don't specifically say something, not because you're not saying it, but just because like you don't think to say it, people can piece things together that you don't even think to say oh, yes. with all this information. So if that's the way your brain works, this is like, I don't even know, like an inval- invaluable. I always mess that up. It's invaluable. Yeah, invaluable. It's, yeah. yeah there, there would be no value you could put on this because it's just that valuable. Yeah. Hopefully or you if could... you're just nosy, right? <laughs> yep. I know people are nosy. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully you can take it and run with it and really do some big things. And, mm-hmm. and to go kind of off on another tangent, I remember another story. I remember when we were doing, you know, you were doing really well with the blogging and you had tons of people approaching you about the blogging and wanting to learn how to do it themselves. And you were on me about like, hey, why don't you come work with me and we'll really, you know, we'll start an education business and really do well with it. And I just kind of, I had the thought in my head, but I, I was always into real estate and that was just kind of my, my lane that I and stayed And you in. like blew me off every single well, time. Well, I didn't blow you off. I just didn't really see a clear path to make it happen. And then I remember, I think it was a Saturday, just a Saturday morning, 
you were in your room on the computer and I was in my, uh, my office on the computer and you sent me an email or something like that at the time. And you're like, hey, check out this article. And it was an article about someone else that was, you know, they were doing kind of the education. They were se- selling an online course mm-hmm. and it detailed kind of how much they were making, which at the time I thought was like tremendous. They were making, I don't know, thirty to 50000 a month or maybe something like that just from selling these courses. And I was like, as soon as I read that, I was like, Suddenly Pete had the idea, like, you if know what, we should do this. Yeah, if they could do it, I know I could do it too. Right. So. I know. It's just that, and that's why I think it, that you put so much um, effort into this because the way that you think that's, you needed to see that. Mm-hmm. You needed to see like, okay, this is actually possible. Um, yeah. I still remember that. I was like, kept saying Pete, Pete. And you were like, uh, but I also knew you needed, um, you needed to mix things up a little bit. We were traveling a lot mm-hmm. and I thought you'd be, well, you're really good at that kind of stuff. And also your education products that you create, that might've been stuff from my brain, but it was the delivery of it, everyone has said like that, it was super smooth. Like it was really absorbable. It was actionable, all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a natural thing. You've already sold millions of dollars in education products. So when you put out the, did we even talk about that yet? Oh, the training program? Yeah, the training no, program not for really. land. Um, I was harping on you to do that for a long time. I was like, right. you've, you've kind of really dialed this in. This would be something that would be invaluable for others. And then you made the decision not to charge for it, just to give it away for free, which then people are like, oh my gosh, aren't you scared about competition? And we're like, no. So (laughs) tell us about it. And then why you're not worried about competition. Like, I mean, we're not doing this from like, you know, we're doing it in a space where we'll make money. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely make money, you know, uh, and the way, you know, uh, that one quote from John F. Kennedy, which I heard later is maybe not by him. Anyhow, it's a rising (laughs) tide raises all ships. I think Mm -hmm. it is. And pretty much that was kind of my thought, you know, like we'll put this information out there, but I know that we're going to benefit on it. And people say all the time, oh, well, you know, there's always a catch or nothing's for free. Hear all those phrases like that. This is honestly, legitimately, it is 100% free. You don't have to pay us for anything. We didn't hold back on anything. Nothing. No, you, I mean, everything that you know up to this second is in that. Yeah. And and we paid tens of thousands of dollars to actually get that whole training program produced professionally and because we're not video editors no no (laughs) i mean we could but it would be like designers or any of that kind of stuff we paid Uh you know we paid a a lot of money to get it all up and done right what's it called oh it's called land conquest (laughs) and obviously you will find that in the land conquest community that we talked about and you'll see it in there for free just under the classroom tab yeah and some people are going to just take it run with it go through it all and that's perfect and then some people will realize wait we have other things that we offer that that supplement that. And that's how we would make money. Exactly. Yeah. And the, those, those things are, and some of them are not up and running yet, but this is kind of part of the roadmap, as, as I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, is the partner with Pete program. Now that is live and that is going, and we were actually just started it about a month or so ago. And we're getting to the point where we're actually going to be closing some deals with some of the partners. So basically what that means is the partner with Pete program is it's at Pete, partner with Pete.com too. partner with Pete.com. Mm-hmm. Basically what we do is we partner with investors. And when I say partner with investors, we bring the money to close the deal. The investor partners, they find the deal. They bring it to us, submit it to us. If it looks like a deal, I say, hey, okay, we're going to do it. And then what happens is I kind of uh, have our team take over from there, do all the due diligence, you know, the hire the photographer, anything we need to do to, to just to confirm that it's a good property. We close on it by sending our own money. And then we handle the resale process, coordinating with agents and everything that goes along with that and get the thing sold. When it sells, we split the profits 50-50. Very simple. The investor brings a deal. 
uh, as long as it's a deal and we say, hey, we'll go for we'll go for it and fund this deal. We take it and do everything else from there. There's no downside to the investor. If we were to lose money or something like that, we're not coming back on the investor and it doesn't matter how long it takes either. Right. We're just trying to mitigate all the common things that are out there for. So pretty much it's if you go through our program or you know how to flip land, you find a really good deal. You're like, great, I want to do this, but maybe you don't have the money to fund it or right. you want to use that money elsewhere to yeah, do more advertising. To, exactly. Or, more mail or whatever. Or whatever yeah. the reason. So we'll be your money partner is what it is. Mm-hmm. We'll yep. take care of all that. But we go beyond that because a lot there's money partners out there for anything in this world. But we go beyond that in the sense that you get to use our team to do all the due diligence. Like you, we take over from there. Right. So it's a way better value. So partner with Pete.com. Okay. So that's, that's, the, first that's the first thing. Uh-huh. Uh, second way is that we've spent a lot of time and money building out our business systems to run our land flipping business. So obviously we know all parts of the business and what it takes to, to run every single aspect of that. So we've got a software business system that we are going to be sharing with students that are interested in uh, kind of doing the model as we do it. Like they want a turnkey system. So everything that's kind of all of our processes and everything, all on automations, it's a CRM, but it's way more than the CRM. It's also all of our business processes to keep your land flipping business running smoothly. You get a website, you get phone numbers, but there's lots of things that go with that. You know, we didn't design the platform it's on. It's based off of the high level platform. But it's all the customizations and everything else that goes with that. There's going to be a separate community. There's going to be constant improvements and things that we're going to be doing there. So and it'll be customizable for them too. Exactly. Like if you create some sort of thing that you think this would be good, yep. we'll implement that too. That's coming soon. So yeah. we're working very hard on that. Our whole thing is like, well, especially Pete's perfection. So he doesn't release it till it's absolutely as close to perfection as possible. So that's the slow rollout here. And then the third thing. Yeah, the third thing is a mentorship program. So I, I get asked that all the time. And obviously time is kind of what's limiting me at that at, at this point. But we're working on building out a mentorship program where, you know, we'll be able to kind of build a community of really serious people that are, are really serious about building their land flipping businesses and growing it to, to huge levels. And obviously I'll be involved in kind of Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training, and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. That and uh, there'll be a lot of accountability and goal setting and lots of things involved with that. But so that program's not built out. That's kind of the last thing that we're working on, but coming soon. So right. I know, you know, that it won't be cheap, but it'll be for it'll those be that are, it. it'll be worth it. Yeah. You know? and, it, and we recognize that that is something that is like sorely missing. There's some out there that just don't, don't deliver. And that's where you're going to be like, okay, this is, this is serious. It's for mm-hmm. people who truly no excuses. You're going to meet your goals. That's right. Okay. That's right. So now that we've got all that yes. out of the way, I like that you even have the Land Conquest shirt yeah, on today. Yeah, this is my new Land Conquest shirt. Yeah, I've got a hat too. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to start. Having me wear the hat? Yeah, do you want to wear the hat next time? No. Oh, okay. T-shirt? No. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to start ordering these and then we're going to kind of give them out for participation in the community. So. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So. Okay, well. Uh, you're going to be the shipping person. Oh, Are I you am. okay with that? Yeah. I'm not good with follow through, so good luck with that. <laughs> no, I can handle that. I'm just not a t-shirt person. Yes. I mean, can you get me a, like, a dress that says Land Conquest? Sure. Okay. Be That'd be funny. Like one that just has Land Conquest like. High fashion right there. Right. I know. Taking it to the next level. Well, we'll yeah. see. So what is the title of today's episode? How to be successful in the land flipping business. 
Okay. Or what it takes to be successful in the land flipping business. We'll probably try different titles to see what what works best, but something along those lines. That's the working title. Yeah, that's the working title. Okay, that sounds good. So I guess you're, you know, you go through this whole thing. Oh, we didn't even talk about current events because I don't want to talk about it. Okay, we won't talk about current events. I'm kind of over it. It's just the same stuff recycled. Yeah. It's not really current events, but it's another special announcement related to the land conquest thing. I've gotten some questions about people that... Uh, want to go through the training program, but they really don't have time to sit in front of their computer and watch these things. So we are almost done with getting it audio only and actually uploading it to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and things like that. So maybe by the time you watch this, it'll be available. So if you just search for Land Conquest mm-hmm. on there, it should pull up the full training program that you could just listen oh, to on there. That's amazing because, and that reminds me of something else. I don't watch videos. Right. Uh, my attention span, I just can't do it, but I am a big podcast person. I love to listen to them. So for me, that's pretty um, exhilarating. But if you are somebody who likes videos, um, you should check us out on YouTube, Land Conquest, because, or is it under, it's Turning Profit on YouTube, correct? Yeah, Turning Profit, at Turning Profit. At Turning Profit, because um, if you're listening to this online, or I'm sorry, if you're listening to it on a podcast, it's more dynamic. There's yes, it's more very video, dynamic. there's yeah. added stuff, so. Yes, you get to check out my new t-shirt. Right, and if you're not, if you're watching this, but you haven't followed um, Turning Profit, just hit the follow button. Yeah, subscribe, you mean? Whatever. Yes. You know. <laughs> Anyhow, now that, back was my, to the, that was my big current. I didn't even know, like, that was news to me, so I guess that was that was current news that I enjoyed. Thank you for that. Yep. And also the transcripts are almost done too. So we've got everything transcribed. So And if, I like if, to read. If, if Thank people you. would rather read it rather than listening to the videos or do the same. I know some people like watching the videos and reading uh-huh. it at the same time to retain things better. I think that's a Gen Z thing too. But, I mean, everyone learns different ways. So I think that's perfect. Yeah. So, so. all right. So let's get into it. So mm-hmm. what does it really take to be successful in the land flipping business? Well, I guess you have to define success. Pete gave me notes and he even printed them for himself. So I think this is hilarious. But yes. because the funny thing is, this is exactly what I would have said. If you said, what does it take to be successful? I would have said to you exactly, well, what is, you know, define success? What does it mean to you? So that's pretty crazy that you're writing down what I would already ask you. Well, great minds think alike, Heather. Are and you, I've just been around, like, are you been yeah, around me Yeah, I think long? at this point, or? we can pretty much complete each other's sentences mm-hmm. and thoughts and everything. I was going to add something to that, but I, I'm just, I guess I don't have enough coffee in me. Oh, okay. That's why we should go somewhere right now. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, we, we talked about this before, but it's true. Like, it's great. You want to be a successful in person. Great. What does that mean? Like, are you in it for the profit, the lifestyle, the revenue? Are you going to do it by yourself? Are you going to have a team? Are you going to start, you know, the goal is to start just you and then you're going to build out a big team. Are you going to work together with a partner, you know, life partner, whatever business partner, maybe a family affair, what, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. And I think that just knowing that it's kind of like it recenters you and it keeps the goal specific. You know, you, you might get off track thinking or something. You have to redefine. Okay, wait, where, what was my whole goal for this? Yeah. So, I mean, you really have to kind of define what your definition of success is because your definition may be completely different than mine. Maybe, maybe you're looking to create a kind of lifestyle business where you're working two hours a day. You make a, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year in, in profit or income, and you get to do whatever you want to do with 22 other hours in the day. You didn't put on here fame. Maybe there's someone who wants to be the land king or queen. Yes, maybe. That that's a that's a good point. Maybe that's that's a viable thing as well. I just like money because then I feel like then I can use that money to do other things like I would love to solve homelessness. Well, that would be great. That would be great. Does anyone have any sort of ideas because like I have you know it's like you have these issues and you're like thinking about there's no I don't I have no idea what the solution is, but maybe you're in it for the money so that you can do good with it. Or maybe you're just in it for the money because you like watches. 
Yes. I don't know. Someone said to me, how many watches does Pete have? This was yesterday. And I was like, he has one. He goes, oh, okay. And what's the value? And I was like, I don't know, like $200. They're like, we're not talking about it's that kind Samsung of watch. watch. Yeah. That's, that was like, I was like $200. I was like, I have no idea. Too, I have no idea what it costs. He's like, that's not what we're talking about with watches. I go, oh yeah. I'm like, we're not into that kind of stuff. But this person was, they were like, had 13 of them. Oh yeah. It's a big, it's a big thing, uh-huh. you know? And I, I just, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, everyone's got their hobby and their things that they collect and stuff like that. Watches is not, has never appealed to me. Cause you'd break it. You know oh, yeah, I know I would break it. Yeah. Like you're rough on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it would be gone. And honestly, I like having this watch. It tracks mm-hmm. my GPS and my steps and all that kind of stuff. And those, those Rolexes are nice, but they don't track your steps. Is so. Rolex the cool one anymore? I think you might. Well, there's be. a lot of yeah. there's a lot of brands out there. And but that's OK if that's your motivation. Yeah. You know, maybe you want to you want to create a family lifestyle or you want to have generational wealth. That was something that didn't happen for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe yours was generational trauma and you're trying to. Just kidding. <laughs> For me? Okay. <laughs> Not you. But you know what I mean? That I think defining what you're going into and don't discount your family. You'd be surprised like if you have kids that are, you know, even 10 plus, they might be interested in it mm-hmm. or even younger. I was really interested in this kind of stuff as, as a really young kid. I would have loved if my parents had gotten into something like this. Me we- too. Right. Yeah, you would have. Your parents wouldn't have. That would have been scary to them. Kind of define that. Actually write it out and it can change. It, it can change daily. It can change hourly. It doesn't matter. As you grow, it'll evolve as well. Yeah. You know, and I I put down here, it's important to clearly define what you're striving for, because if you don't, you'll never get there. That's funny. Well, I mean, at least you're inside my brain writing these things. Well, and and the example I always think Mm -hmm. of when it comes to that is you'd never drive across the country without, I was going to say a map, but these days no one uses actual maps. That would be scary. Without a Thomas guide. You're never, you're never. (laughs) Gotta know those, um, those, what are the grid map for where you're going? Yeah. uh, But you wouldn't drive across the country Mm -hmm. without a GPS or Google maps or something. You just like, how would you get there? It would just be kind of dumb luck. And maybe you know that the the 10 will take you pretty far, but so you need to have that roadmap in order to actually get to your destination. And are we going to take it even farther? You don't know. You don't need to know exactly how you're going to get there. You just need to know the direction, right? Right. So, but once you have that figured out, do the reverse engineering. Like, let's say I'm in it for the money and lifestyle. So I want to work two hours a day and I want to make a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That might be tough, by the way, but we'll just go with that, right? You want to re, uh, reverse engineer that. How do I need to spend those two hours every single day to make that happen? How many deals? Like if my average deal is, I don't know, $100,000 a deal, right? An actual profit. Okay, good. Then I just have to do 10 of them. So now I know I need to do 10 of these a year and I have two hours a day to do it. And what are the actual steps that I need to do to make it happen? I bet you could figure that out. You know, it would just be a matter of, you know, you'd need to leverage. You right. need to build a team. Mm-hmm. You would need to. Uh, right. That's true. You would need to focus all your efforts on only those higher end deals where you could make a hundred thousand mm-hmm. uh, per deal. I mean, it's definitely doable. You um, got to figure out how that would be done and then put that plan in place and make it happen. Right. I was thinking like not even taking into account, like having the team. Mm-hmm. My instant was our instinct. And I think maybe a lot of people do, too, was, OK, there's no way that I could do that. But you're right. I could do that if I just hired the right team. Yeah. Hire the right people. And I don't think we talk about this enough, too. But if you have a retirement account, like maybe if you're late to savings for your retirement or whatever, taking a section if your retirement account allows for it and doing deals in your retirement account. Like that we should do a whole episode just on something like that mm-hmm. because that's an invaluable tool. You know, I hear a lot of people our age, older, even younger that, I don't know, when I was younger, retirement savings, I just, it did not seem like an important thing to do. 
I no, mean, I knew when it you're was. Young, I mean, it's like retirement, what, 40, 50 years away? You know? I know. I it know. was just like, no. And I think that's it's important to have a happy medium. But maybe if you're starting later or or you just really want to you want to retire early, this could be the way to do that as well. Build mm-hmm. that retirement account up. And you know, we should do a whole episode or on fire. that. Right, the fire movement. Oh, oh yeah, free financial independence, independence retire early. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of people switching from fire to just financial independence. Mm. That's always been for from me. From fire to fi? Yeah, exactly. The fi. I mean, fi has always been kind of that thing, and then fire mm. and stuff. Actually, if I had to pick something that I was really in it for, it's the financial independence. Because if you're financially independent, it doesn't matter. You call the shots. It doesn't matter what happens. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's freeing. You know, it's freeing in a lot of ways. You can keep working because you like to. You can take a job that maybe fulfills you in a different way than just money. You could take a a leave of absence. You could do whatever, you know? Okay. So I think we've harped on that because I could go off on a million different tangents. There's lots of tangents, yes, but that's okay. We go off on tangents here at Turning Profit Podcast. Okay. So we've talked about kind of the motivation, defining it, your success, meaning, you know, so that you can stay motivated, kind of have a plan to go where you want to go, where you want to take it, all that kind of stuff. What are the characteristics of a successful land flipper? Okay, let's go into these. And I just, you know, I'm sure there's more, but these are the things that I've noticed that really come to mind for Mm -hmm. when I see other successful land flippers. Uh, First of all, persistence or being persistent. That can kind of come across in a number of different ways, but I always think of it as putting deals together with all parties, you know, like if you're persistent and you're not going to just kind of give up at the first sign of any resistance, you're going to find a way to make it happen. And it could just could be like putting together deals or figuring out some sort of log jam in your business, you know, like finding a way to solve that problem or, you know, just just finding a better way to do things and, and, and getting things done. But if you're persistent if, if you're not going to just give up, that's one of those traits of a, a successful land flipper that I think is, is very, uh, very good to have. Right. You know, and, and an annex to that is staying in contact with the sellers. Mm, yeah. This has happened a couple of times um, where people have like have lost deals because they don't stay in contact. Yep. Just because you get assigned doesn't mean anything. Right. You know, you need to say, OK, now we're doing escrow. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing that. We're getting close, you yep. know, because if you drop the ball, they think that you're a goner and they'll just take. A goner. That's horrible. Right. They'll sell it to someone else. <laughs> yeah. Being good at communication, being comfortable, keeping it going. Yeah. Um, and then consistent. Yeah. Like, consistent. Mm-hmm. This really shows up in the lead generation side of things. I always say that the, the easiest thing to do to be successful in this business is just be consistent with getting your mail out. And if you use some other method in order to generate your leads, you need to be consistent with that as well. Set a number that you are sending out at, ev- at specific intervals you know, every single month or every two weeks or whatever the case is, but you're sending that out like clockwork. You have to be very, very consistent. And if you're going to be the type that sends out a batch here and there, or just every once in a while, or whenever you realize you're slow, you're going to have a real hard time excelling in this business. So a lot of this stuff is not rocket science, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of hard to be consistent. So I I know that's that's an area where people struggle. So if it's an area where you know you struggle with the consistency, then you just need to bring on some sort of assistant to help you with that consistency. Or maybe your partner or something is better in that area and and make that their thing. So someone in the business needs to be ultra consistent to to make that happen. I'm not, um, what's it called, organically consistent in a lot of ways. I get overwhelmed with other projects and I'll just kind of like my brain goes that way. So something that I've learned too is just using a calendar. 
Mm. and breaking it down and you're going to have to hold yourself accountable. Like if it says today is Tuesday, the whatever, you have to do what it says on that calendar. And it says you have to approve the merge or you have to pay for another batch and you have to choose an area, whatever, like break it down, like so that it's manageable. Because if your brain is the type that gets overwhelmed or you follow shiny things, if you break it down into tiny little steps and you only have to do what half an hour a day, it's totally different than spending six hours on one day where you're going to be like, this is too much. I'm out. And then you also know what the important stuff is to be consistent with as well. Right. If it it hits your calendar. So if I need Heather to do something, I'm going to put it on your calendar from now on. Blocked. (laughs) (laughs) I've got access to your calendar. so (laughs) And you're not afraid to use it. Right. And your laptop too, if I need to. Yeah, I know that's, that's the real thing. I leave my laptop so you could just sneak in there, figure out how you work best. And this is just for anything really. Actually, they say in driving, be consistent. Don't be friendly or something Mm. like that. Like if you come to a four-way stop and you got there first, you should go because then you confuse all the other three people, right? Mm -hmm. I think that as long as you understand how your brain works, you're going to be more successful. If you're better in the evening, do it in the evening. If you're better in the morning, get up in the morning and do the the hardest thing first. What's that? Swallow the frog or eat the frog or eat that frog, eat that frog, a lot of that kind of stuff. So just know what you're good at, know what you're not good at. And if there's some things you get to, like you were saying that you just aren't, you know, you're not good at it. It's going to be a struggle. Hire someone to help you do it. Yep. It's better to spend that money. And a lot of people hate spending money on that. I could do it. Yes, but you won't. Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website, CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. Be honest. Yes. Be honest with yourself. And then what, you know, willing to take some risks and go for it, even if things are not perfect. So is that for me? Cause I don't like taking risks. I think you have to take risks. You didn't deny business. that it was for me. That's awesome. I didn't say it was for you. I just I think that it wasn't I, for you, but, but I do see this commonly happening, mm-hmm. you know, successful land flippers are, you know, they're, they're willing to take a chance, you know, things are not going to be perfect. You know, even if you're looking at a certain deal you're never going to be hundred percent sure. You know, there's always that that layer of doubt in your mind, like, you know, what what if, what if, you know? So and it's th- true, something could happen. Something could happen. Yeah, it's rare that mm-hmm. two pieces of land are exactly the same unless mm-hmm. you're dealing with subdivision comps where you're dealing with the lot right next door or something like that. But And I'll, then that takes away the ben- the the reward. Yes. If it's exactly the same, yeah, it's, it's harder, yeah, be- harder to get those deals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, with these rural properties, they're never exactly the same. You have to there's a little bit of risk involved. If you get it for a great price, you know, it lowers that risk considerably, but you have to be willing to go for it. Mm -hmm. And another thing where that comes into play is sending out the mail. So obviously, as a whole, we know that we, you know, the more mail we send out, generally, the more deals we get. Mm -hmm. So we know that we're going to be outlaying that money. And there's a risk that we send out a big batch of mail and we get no leads from it. It's possible, but it's very, very unlikely. And the other thing about it is you got to you got to kind of be willing to take some of those risks to get the reward. Mm-hmm. So business is all about risk and reward and what level of risk are you comfortable with? But you got to you got to find where that level is and, and actually take some of those risks, make some of those moves. A lot of people get caught in this analysis thing and they never actually make those moves. They never send out the mail. They never actually, you know, pull the trigger on a deal. You know, so you have to be a risk taker in some ways. 
Right. And if that's not your natural thing, like it's not for me, you need to mitigate it with as much information as possible. Take that all in, make the best educated decision you can make, but then don't get that, you know, um, decision paralysis. Yep. And just say, okay, I am going to take this much money at this time. I'm going to make this decision by this date. It's going to be this amount and I'm going to do it. Right. And I'm going to know that sink or swim, I'm going to keep going, you know, sink or swim. That does, that's horrible. Hmm. Can't sink and swim and keep going, but you need to, you're going to learn something even from the losses. You will, you will. And hopefully you don't really have any. So, yeah. And I'm not saying don't go for bad deals or, you know, any of that. I mean, don't, don't just go ahead on any deal. Like you got to be right. You know, you gotta, you gotta know that it's a deal and deep down you'll know if it's a deal or not. And that's the other thing too. Don't make a deal a deal that's not a deal. Oh, yes. Don't do that. Because you're like, oh, it's, you know, that's a scarcity mindset. I, do, I have this deal. It's not great, but I don't have any other deals. There will be more deals. And some people make a lot of money on those ones. That's just not our comfort level. Yeah. I you think know? you said something really good that I've, I've been thinking about for weeks after you said it. I think it was a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. You said, if you don't have all the information, if you don't have good comps, if you don't have all the information, then it's more speculation than investing. No, that's like gambling. Yeah, it's gambling. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like okay, you don't have the all day all the data. You think it's going to be a good deal, mm-hmm. but you really have no data to back that up. So, so that's just that it that's is a gambling situation. It's a gamble, and some people are fine with that, and that's yeah. okay if that's your your thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's that's the reality, right? You just need to know your comfort level, and if your comfort level is really low, you need to push through it. Yeah, yeah, push it, push it through. And the one final thing in this category is not to be too volatile or emotional. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's really easy to do. Something goes poorly. You have an issue that comes up and it's really easy to get all worked up about that and get angry at the other side and react quickly, something like that. But you have to always keep in mind that it's a business and this will pass. The best outcome generally is by staying even keel and trying to figure out a solution to mm-hmm. the issue, whatever those circumstances are. Yeah, it's not personal. And people get wrapped up in that, even though you might I might be talking to you and you might say something to me about a situation. And instead of and I, and I ask you, OK, how should we handle this? And you say this. And I think, gosh, you know what? He did that because he's trying to screw me over. Yeah. Right. It's not. I asked you about this. And that's what you have to look at it. It's not personal. Yes, there's people involved, but it doesn't mean it's personal. It's about numbers. Right. right. This person, the buyer, your job is to create a win win situation. Yeah. And the other thing I want to point out, too, is that I think we we're talking about it a couple of days ago. I was like, we don't have to make a decision right now. I don't want you to sit and wait forever and lose deals because you're not on the ball, but you don't have to make a decision right now. You never have to make a decision right now. Maybe you're just not in the mental space to make the decision. You've got other things. You say, you know what? I, this is, I I hear what you're saying. Thank you for that. I'm going to think it over and I will get back to you. That's right. Just communicate, still working Mm -hmm. on it, uh, trying to work through a couple things, trying to do a little more research, whatever the case is. Right. uh, Even if it's just that you're feeling emotional, right? like you're feeling like this person's a complete jerk and I want to tell them that. Mm hmm. Yeah. So those are some of the characteristics of a successful land flipper. Let's get into kind of the skills and uh, and traits of a, a successful land flipper. Like, w- like what are they good at in order to, to be really successful in this business? And before we get into this, these are all learned things. Whereas the characteristics, even that you can kind of like warp your mind to be mm-hmm. that. These are things that maybe you're intuitively like just really good at this, but also these are things that you can definitely learn. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. None of these are ones oh, that's yeah, like, definitely. well, I'm not good at that. So um, great at evaluating properties 
properties. I mean, that stands for and understanding values. Yeah. So that's really where it all begins. If you really understand how to evaluate properties and understand what they're actually worth Mm -hmm. in this business model, a whole new world is going to open up to you. I mean, you get really good at that and everything opens up like it it just works Mm -hmm. because you understand what's a deal, what's not a deal, what's a good property, what's not such a good property. And honestly evaluate what the property, you know, get a good idea of what the property is going to sell for ultimately. Because if if you can't figure out those things, uh, it's really hard to piece the whole puzzle together. Right. If you've ever been someone that's gone on Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever and seen a new listing and you're like, whoa, that's a deal. Mm -hmm. Like in your brain, you don't even know the the specifics. You're just like, well, that's a good deal. Or like, oh my God, they're so overpriced. And it sits there forever. Again, it can be learned. But if that, if you do something like that, you'd be perfect for this. Right. Where you're just intuitively like, oh, Wow. Ooh, okay. But really to get to that point, you've got to be you've got to be following all the listings, all the sales. You've got to get a really good idea of what the market is right. to even understand if that's a good deal or not. And the more you do it, the more you absorb it. Like you can intuitively tell. Like you'll get to yes. know areas that you really like and you'll yeah, you're still going to do all the due diligence. You're going to ask for the opinions from a broker or an, an agent or whatever. But in deep down you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, good yeah. deal." Yeah, and you'll be able to look at a property quickly and determine if that's a good property or it's not a good property. Right. And the more you do it, the quicker you get and the better you get at it. I harp on this all the time, but I really think spending a lot of time, especially at the beginning, really understanding this is before you send out mail or anything, or maybe while you're waiting for the mail to hit, you really start diving into that evaluating property side of things. Now, as you start getting leads coming in, then you can really get a good feel for okay, is this a good property? Is it not a good property? What is it worth? You could do like 50 sample properties and and just go through them and act like, act as if those are leads coming in and mm-hmm. really try to determine those things. Maybe I'll put together, that's a good idea. I'm going to put, thank you for that idea, Heather. You're welcome. <laughs> this just popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put together a list of 50 properties or something. And this will be like, you know, kind of like a test or something like that. But or like a study, I don't know what they even call it, like a study thing, where, like like math problems. But you just go through them and you really try to understand. Okay, we will we will add that to this. It is it would be really good though, just kind of like a practice run, see how they do, how what you would you know say. Yes. Um, I think it's fun when you when I'm in in that zone where I want to buy like an investment property and I'm going through it and I'm like, oh, give me a break. This is, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like going through all these different listings, and it's exciting. It's exciting, yeah. And once you start doing it, even if it's if they're fake ones while you're waiting for yours to come in, you'll be like, okay. Let me see what I can find. Okay, let me look at this. Okay, well, look at the houses that were built on that. Okay, like what's this area like? Like, oh, what's this road? You could be driving down the road on Google Maps and looking around and getting a feel for the community character. I know that the right people are going to be spending tons of time doing this part because it's fun. It's exciting. And it's like learning a really good new skill. Okay. You also say ability to learn from mistakes and not repeat them. That's one thing that I see, um, not just with myself, but other land flippers that are doing well is they're like, okay, I learned from this deal that I did, or they talk about a deal that they did where they just didn't realize something. And they're like, okay, uh, I'm not going to do that again. And right. just, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. Um, not everyone's perfect like you, Heather. I right. mean, people are going to make mistakes and uh, you just have to learn from them and not repeat those same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, it, you're going to learn a mistake that you didn't even know existed. There's lots of things like that come up. You know, you're going to learn something's going to happen. You're going to like, that was not even on my radar. That was not even something I worried about. But now every single property you evaluate, you're going to look for that one specific thing. Can you think of anything like that? Yeah, I can think of numerous things. Like mm-hmm. one, one time we bought a property that looked on the map, had road frontage, you know, but then actually on the site, like the road frontage was basically a rock outcropping cliff. So there's no way that you could actually 
carve a driveway into there. So yes, the property is right against the road. You would have to set up some sort of rope ladder or something <laughs> like, in order to get, get onto the property. And what happened was we bought the property. It took us forever to sell and we didn't make any money on it. We didn't lose money on it. We didn't lose money, but mm -hmm. we didn't make any money either. Right. And what was the whole point? When you're buying the properties, always try to buy them at the price of you had to like dump them. Yeah. Dump them. Dump them. I don't know. That's horrible. Be conservative with your evaluations and not be overly aggressive. Yeah. And don't chase things down too, right? Like, right. So I put that on there, conservative with your values. And not evaluations. Evaluations. You don't and, have to be conservative yeah, with your values yeah, if that's well, not your thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. Um, but, but you don't want to be overly aggressive with your projections on a property. Mm -hmm. Like I see this all the time. People will say, okay, here's the comp. Here's what I think this play, this one is worth. And then- But mine's look, special. Yeah, well, then, I, then I, you know, it could be a higher, it's a higher comp, you know, probably the highest comp that's mm -hmm. out there. Property, same size and everything, but there's a lot of things about it that are maybe better. But then I also see other comps, which are a lot lower. And I'm always basing my projections off of the lower side of things. If we beat it, great. We'll, you know, we'll make more money, mm -hmm. but uh, it's going to be a lot of protection against getting into a, a bad deal that may not work or may not make us any money. Right. Yeah. And I, the other thing I can't stand is when someone lists something like, I think it's going to sell for a hundred thousand, but I'm going to start it at 250,000. Mm, yes. And then like literally chasing it down. Yes. So yeah, your property is special, but it's not really special. Like It's just a deal. Another deal. Right. Exactly. Being reasonable in your deals and understanding when it's when to cut your losses. Okay. So you, I already kind of got ahead of us here, but well, yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, you may think it's worth a certain amount. You're not getting any sort of activity. You get a lower offer. You're going to make some money. You're not going to make as much as you mm -hmm. thought. Those deals, we just, we just got into one that was similar to that. I thought it was going to make a lot more. And maybe if I would have held out another six months, maybe I could have gotten quite a bit more. I don't know. A buyer came along and it was uh, a lower price than I wanted to accept. One that we were still making money on. We're still mm -hmm. making a good profit, but just not as much as I thought. But I really thought about it. And every time I've done this, I'm like, hey, I'll just do it. I'm going to move forward. I'll find another deal. We'll earn money on this deal. We'll earn money on the next one. It'll just be, it just be time to move on. So you keep the money moving. That's, keep it moving, that's yeah. the most important thing. Don't hold out for the, the top dollar. Don't get stuck in your own head about a price that it, it doesn't matter. It's just a business decision. I'm going to skip jump kind of this view it as building a business rather than viewing things on a daily uh, things on a deal by deal basis. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So it's really ultimately a business that you're building mm -hmm. and not a hustling type of thing where you're just doing a deal and you're selling, mm -hmm. buying and selling everything. That's good. That'll get you to a certain point. But in order to have re real success in this business, you need to set it up like a real business. If this is part of your plan, you should be bringing in team members, teaching them how to do certain things to take things off of your plate and operating it as a real business with processes and systems and clearly defined procedures. And uh, yeah, so the su most successful land flippers are doing that stuff. Right. And then you said also able to build long-term relationship with vendors. Mm. I always think about, when I think about vendors, my mind always goes to agents, you mm -hmm. know, agents or brokers that we're dealing with. I want to find, I want to find the best agents and brokers in a particular area. I want to have it as a win-win relationship between us. They make money dealing with us. They consider us their best client. And then on the other uh, side of things, they go above and beyond for us. They sell our properties for us quicker and they kind of prioritize what we're doing. So that's the way I view things. And I know over the long term, when you're building a long term business and you're 
you're trying to be successful as a land flipper, you need to be establishing those types of relationships and, and and doing the best that you can with them. Okay. And then the next or the last section before we get into questions here, we'll go through this rather quickly so we can get to the questions today. But what does it take to do things at a very high level? It's that whole mind shift thing. Need to be willing to delegate and build a team. Always searching for the A players. Yeah, yeah. You got to be searching for those people to bring onto your team. They're not just someone to fill the role. Not your sister's boyfriend's cousin that needs a job. Don't hire people just because they need a job. Right. Hire people because they'd be really good at the job that you need help with. That's a hard one to learn because we've done that. Oh, we've done that a bunch of times. Someone's like, I guilty. Need, yeah. I know. Yeah. And, and it's not fair for them because you're trying to force them into a position that they're not. It's not the best for them. It's not fair for you because you're pretty much just you might as well just be giving them money. Once you learn what kind of these A player type people are like to have on and your they team. Can do to, yeah. yeah. They they can basically take some some minimal direction from mm-hmm. you or and and basically really take things to the next level beyond what you can think of or or come right. up with yourself. You so. there's no way for you to be an expert in all these things. No. There isn't. Sorry. And if you think you can, you're lying to yourself. There's no way. If you really understand yourself and you and you try to uh, optimize everything, you'll realize, gosh, I just suck at that part. I should find someone who's really good at it. Yeah. And then once you start doing that, you're like, whoa, this was really dumb that I tried to do it all. It's yeah. just a control thing and it's hard to do. You need to always be learning and always improving. Hmm. Yes. I'm continually learning in this business. Mm-hmm. All these deals that we're doing, we're going into new areas. We learn local customs of certain areas and things to watch out for. And so I'm always learning. I'm always in these different land flipping communities and networking with other land investors to try to learn as much as I can because knowledge really is power when it right. comes to this. And evolving. You're taking that information. You're looking for signs. You're, you know, like if if the market started just going up like crazy, you would evolve. Right. If the market were to drop, you would evolve. Be on the pulse of the market, but evolve. Evolve, evolve. with it. That's The companies that are long lasting, there's no reason that Blockbuster isn't Netflix. Yeah, they should have been Netflix. Right. And Sears should have been Amazon. Right, exactly. They had the catalog. They had all their stuff. Go- they they, they controlled had, the world, right. you know, in that, that world. Uh-huh. And uh, they just didn't evolve. Right. So learn, improve, evolve. Right. Okay. Um, consistency. This is huge. Everyone has a good day. Everyone has bad days, right? We're not talking about on like the cellular level. We're talking about you need to consistently be doing the things that move your business. No ups and downs, you know, like less volatility when it comes to that. And just stay the course. Stay right. the course. And some deals you're going to make a boatload of money and some deals you're going to not make as much money. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to average that out. That's a consistency too. understanding that some some deals are great. Some deals aren't whatever. Some months are great. Some months are not so great. So Uh in fact, with us, we just recently went through this. One of our, we just had our best month ever uh, two months ago. Last month was one of the worst months we've had in, in quite some time, but we still made our money and we still did well, but over time things will be consistent and you just got to keep in mind that it's, uh, you're doing that upward trajectory and there's going to be some, you know. Well, you look at it monthly and I look at it quarterly. Hmm. So I don't really see that. Okay. I see just, but I mean, but it's also important to look at that as the whole evolving kind of thing is if you had multiple down months, you're okay, I need to change something. Right. I, need to, I need to make a change that, that gets us back on track. But it's funny because you say that like the, but then on track to have another best month. It's like, yes, you know what I mean? True. It's just, and it, it's a lot of it is just a closing and buying cycle yes. and a mail cycle yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Systematize everything. Most importantly, the lead generation process. That's why we have the business system yep. beyond a CRM. It's not just that it's no, got all these yeah. other things. It it's accessible from so many different people. It's 
intuitive. It's easy to use. It has all the features that we need to keep track of everything. As you grow in your business, you'll realize that there are things that need to be systematized over time. And if you systematize those things, then things will kind of work on autopilot and kind of become a lot smoother over time. Do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. And then continually track your progress and numbers, and, and this applies to each department. So I look at it as a whole, and like I said, quarterly. I mean, I look month every month, right? Actually, every day. But I look back on trends for monthly. But in the actual breakdown of the different departments, you do you like to do the monthly as the overhead thing. Yeah. But everybody on our team is looking at it like per team member down mm-hmm. to even that level. Right. So it's important to take it on the actual job level or the not job, but the task level almost. Mm-hmm. So I use a whiteboard. I think it's a very valuable tool. Every time we close a deal, things I've marked on there. So just keep track of my progress. It's mm-hmm. like a visual thing, but other people may have different methods to do that. But tracking your progress, I think is very important. Yeah, and know how you like to track it. That's another thing to point out. Be growth focused and not satisfied when you hit a certain level. You're never, you've never got that feeling of I've made it. The last thing that I want to mention mm-hmm. is you really want to be growth focused and not thinking I made it. So don't get into a place where you're like, I made it, whatever. And get complacent. I mean, right. we've all made that mistake. I mean, I, you know. You can feel like, wow, I made it. I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. But not to the point where you let everything slip. Like, don't get comfortable. Yes. Never get comfortable. I think that's what you mean. Yeah, that that's a great way to put it. Okay, you ready to get into questions? Let's do it, Heather. Question time. I'm Rapid s- fire questions. Yes. Okay, so Mike says, insurance company serial di- dialers. And I was mm. like, what? Why, why are you giving this to me, Pete? But after one of my recent campaigns, my business line blew up with medical insurance phone calls. Laughing face. A clever landowner thought it would be funny to submit my information, my name and number to an insurance hotline. Hi, Mike. After your recent inquiry about health insurance, you may qualify for one of our most affordable plans, blah, blah, blah. I must have blocked 25 plus numbers with uh, from my phone. I received close to 10 calls a day for the next couple of weeks. Talk about an aggressive sales force. I need to hire these people to call back my leads. All the calls were from the same area cut as my mailer. I wish the owner would have let me know. They were maybe upset. I don't know. Um, it kind of trails off there, but I, I would have complimented their antics. Oh, okay. He's he's saying like, I wish that the owner had let me know who this was because I would have complimented it. Well played, whoever you are. I didn't acquire any land from that mailing campaign, but I do have 27 insurance policies now. I thought that post was so funny. It made me think back we to- We had someone do something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, someone was really upset that we sent them stuff. So then they, they filled out these forms online Leaf filter is one of them. You ever see those leaf filter <laughs> commercials where they're saying, it's too dangerous to be on that ladder. <laughs> Someone <laughs> filled out our information for those. And then I started getting calls from a leaf filter and emails and all this stuff. And then a number of other ones associated with that as well. So Because they probably sold it to like a bunch of other ones. <laughs> yes. So I just had to chuckle. I thought it was funny. That's why I wanted to highlight that. Mm-hmm. But it is uh, you know, some people some people get offended when you send them letters or offers in the mail. It's seriously so offensive to get right. a piece of love mail. Like I I don't know how, you know. Yeah, and that's why we have this category in our community. We call it hate mail, but you know, to just kind of highlight and make light of some of these these people that respond and are upset with the mail that we send them. So I thought that was funny. That's why I wanted to put that. Yeah, in. it is funny. So does it help if 
it doesn't go to your cell phone and it like when we send offers, we don't have like your cell phone number on there. Oh yeah, yeah. We have a we have a business number and it gets answered by a call answering service that we hire for that. Right. So it would be an instant like you've reached a call answer service. You know right. what I mean? Like right. there's no insurance need here. So yeah. so that's kind of something it would be good to start from the beginning, having something like that. Or a number yes. that's not your cell phone, like where you could. Yeah, you never want to give out your cell phone number on these letters. Even if it forwarded to your cell phone number, but you don't want to directly put that on the letter. Yeah. Cause people have a lot of time on their hand and a lot of misguided whatever. Okay. So Dell says use mailing third party or do it yourself. I see folks say it's cheap to mail letters by ourselves. Some people saying a third party is cheap. So I tried to do it myself and it was expensive. A hundred stamps for $66 paper, envelope, ink, electricity, time and driving to the post office. All that cost me some money. It was too much for me. Yes. Oh, am I doing it wrong? How do folks manage to spend less than a mailing company who even have employees and other expenses to pay? Okay, well, the, one of the big differences is standard mail versus first class mail. That's a, like a legit question, though, because a lot of people think like, if I did it myself, you know? Yeah, yeah, you'd be able to save money. Right. But, you know, and I, I know there's a ways to do it yourself and I'll also do the standard class mail. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you really want to be focusing your time on things that are going to be bringing in the revenue. Saving a few cents, maybe if you buy the, the equipment or stuffing envelopes or even hire someone to like do that. We, we've done all that yeah. stuff before in, in different businesses. In order to get to that level that you want to be at, you're going to have to outsource that thing. The thing is, you know, we have a great company that we work with where we do all our mail through and they they handle everything. We just mm-hmm. send them the list. They do all the mail merge. They send it all out. Like I'm, we're not licking stamps or we're not licking envelopes and putting stamps on these things and writing out. So it's you don't want to be doing that. There's too many other things that we're worried about that are going to be better uses of your time. So it's not worth it in my opinion. Go back up to um, just, you should be spending your time learning to evaluate properties. Yeah, that's, that's what you should be doing. Yes. So it's going to be negligible when you really consider all of it. They're, they're going to get better prices on the paper, on the ink. They're yeah. going to have a computer. You're, you don't have to invest in equipment. It's just, don't do it. Yeah. Um, okay, Peter says, not you. Okay, Peter. another Peter. The listing with an agent versus without for comps. Why is it important when collecting the data for comps? Pete, as I understand, takes only into consideration the sold listings with clearly defined brokerage and agents. There are some uh, without that information, and what are they? Yes, those are like it could be off market deal. Yeah, go yeah. On. So this is my this is one of my big things, and I know that there's others out there that consider these type of comps as comps. Mm-hmm. So basically, when you're looking on Zillow or Redfin and trying to find sales that happen in a particular area, you're trying to find these sales so you can figure out what this particular property is that you're looking at, what it's worth. There will be two types of properties that'll pull up. Some of them were actually on the market properties that sold through an agent or broker. You'll see it on there. You'll see the name of the agent and broker. There'll be a description about the property. And you could tell it's just it was on the market property. Then there's others that will show up on there that have no description. They don't have any you know unique pictures or anything, maybe like a street view from Google or something like that. But it doesn't have the actual photos of the property. So you could tell that it's an off-market deal. That data is pulled from just basically the county records, sales that happen in that particular county. I don't consider those comps unless there is absolutely nothing else to base your decision on because you really don't know what the situation is. It could have been a family sale, like someone selling something to your cousin, to your brother. Are you going to charge them full retail on on a situation like that? Probably not. Not if you're a good person. No, (laughs) but um, you just don't know the situation. Could have been a neighbor, like an off-market deal to a neighbor and maybe there was something else involved. Maybe they said, okay, I'll sell you this 10 acres for 50000 
but you got to give me that tractor I've been wanting to get from you. Like, so you just inflated. don't know. Yeah. You don't know what the deal is. And then some people mess with the numbers to try to try to limit taxes. So there's all kinds of those games going on. So and that can make the numbers higher or lower. Right. It's not what you think. And some um, some associations you that you have to any sale has to go through that. Mm-hmm. So like an agent before years ago might have been able to get away with just like, I'll, I'll broker this for you. But whatever, we don't have to do it. But now they're mandated to put something in there. Yeah. And they might just put whatever they I, you just don't know. Yep. So I'm a big believer that really you should only be looking at the on the market deals as your actual comps. Right. Because that, the market sets the price. Right. People forget that. It's not that I think the property is cool. It's not that it my, you know, me, mom, and papa had it. It's, you me, know what mom, I mean? Papa. And so I think it's uber valuable. It's not because I think that those trees are really pretty. No, it's what will the market bear? What will yeah. the market pay? And that's the, the truest form. Yeah. Okay. And Doug gives us a little picture of a post office truck. Okay. And he says... Standard mail versus first class mail, does it matter? Okay, yeah, and this is kind of going back to mm-hmm. the the other question. Standard mail versus first class mail. I've never sent first class mail because it's probably almost double the price mm-hmm. of standard mail, but I've heard lots of different investors that have worked have tried that. Let's start with what is the difference? There's one big thing. Yeah, one big thing is that in standard mail, if it's undeliverable, they'll send it back to you. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, I think they'll also forward it, right? Or forward it. Yeah, yeah. maybe they'll forward you it get, if there's a forwarding on file. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So you get those two things. However, I don't think it really makes it like I'm the person who opens our mail. Mm-hmm. And so I started really thinking about it. Like, do I, I can see now what's different is standard versus whatever. And it, it doesn't, if I'm curious, I will open it. Mm-hmm. I don't, throw away pretty much anything unless I know for certain what it is. So I think the other people are the same thing. I think a lot of people are thinking, well, does it look bad? That's their first inclination. Mm -hmm. Like, does the stamp look better than the, just the stamp? I mean, the the stamp with versus the stamp, you know? Don't you think that's like the biggest? Yeah, definitely. You want to get your mail opened. The letters that we send kind of look like it's a business correspondence. Mm -hmm. Looks like it's something important to open. It's with standard mail. Honestly, if there was a stamp on that type of letter, it it would be weird because it's those those ones with the window envelopes and, you know, so it looks like it's a legitimate thing that they should open. Once it's open, then it's on to the next thing. You just got to get it open. Right. So the other thing is with first class mail is that they deliver it a little quicker as well. I don't know what the, the actual time frames are, but a lot of these standard class mail um, batches that we're sending, it's probably 10 to 14 days on average. I think some areas are quicker. Yeah. And it, it depends where you're probably sending like the to. Post office. And yeah. They, I think they send, kind of send out shipments close to that, you know, regional thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I just know that on average, it's probably 10 to 14 days that, mm-hmm. that these things get delivered. So you just got to take that into consideration. But the big thing is much less cost, which means that you'll be able to send out a lot more mm-hmm. offers and get a lot more deals in the process. It's a numbers game. The more you are in front of different people, the more your likelihood of getting a deal. That's right. I mean, everything that you have looked into for years and you've never seen anyone say, like, this is the only way to go. Mm, Must spend more. Yeah. (laughs) Don't. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Yes. Well, that was a great episode today, (laughs) Heather. that went by quick. Yes, very quick. Quick recap, Mm landconquest.com. If you're not a member of the community, just go over there and and lurk if you don't want to kind of communicate yet, but you'll see what's what's valuable, why we keep harping on that. Turningprofit.com, that's where all the income reports are at. You can go back through, I think, 20 past months or so of these different imp- income reports. You'll also see on there where I spent a lot of time, I did this video where I talked about the 50 first deals. 
So 50 first deals are the actual 50 first land flipping deals we did. And I go into, you know, it's a screen share. I'm kind of going through all these slides of like, hey, we bought this property for this amount. We sold it for this amount. Here's the number of acres. Here's what happened on this deal. So I spent a lot of time going on that through that. So definitely check that out, too, if you're if you're interested in this business, trying to see what's what's possible. You'll see exactly how how we started. In and it. our progression, like started at this and, and got mm-hmm. to that. Uh, where can everyone find you socially? Reese Peter. That's Instagram. And I believe I'm the same on threads, although I've only posted one thing on it. I, I got a system. I'm putting a system in okay. place to start posting on there as well. And then on YouTube at Turning Profit. And also we're on TikTok and I just post these videos and I'm not I'm much of a TikToker, TikToker though. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, well, we'll be back next week, right? Next week. We'll see, see you then. You then. Bye. All right, bye. Ready to start Turning Profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.